0: Arizona Arizona sports, sports. the The local local sports sports leader, leader. Burns and Gambo, the four o'clock reset brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, four o'clock reset, everything, everything that's gone on in the world of sports that we have seen fit to put into this segment, we bring it to you at four o'clock every day, the four o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo show, all the stories we have and have not talked about yet, we put it all in one spot. So away we go. No local teams in action until tomorrow when the Coyotes and the Suns are both in action. In fact, we'll be at the Coyotes' home opener tomorrow. Mullen Arena, baby! Mullen Arena will be down there tomorrow starting at 2 o'clock. So we start today with some Cardinals news and Cardinals sound. Defensive coordinator Vance Joseph spoke on many topics, including the 5-1 and one Vikings in their offense under new head coach Kevin O'Connell. It's similar to the Rams. It's impressive to watch. They do a great job of scheming coverages and scheming fronts. Obviously, we Cousins, who's been in multiple systems, they can do a lot at the line of scrimmage. That keeps you guessing. First, second down, it's mostly play-action pass, so it's really tough to prepare for. Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, shotgun, no shotgun. I mean, yeah, Minnesota's offense hasn't clicked, but they do have that one great player in Jefferson. He's a tough guy to handle, and Arizona's done a good job of shutting down wide receivers, but this will be a big challenge. And, uh, of course, it wouldn't be a conversation with Vance Joseph if he wasn't asked about Isaiah Simmons and how he seems to have settled into his new role. Vance said today that the lack of playing time he was getting early this season, or wasn't getting early this season, wasn't any kind of a punishment or anything. It wasn't about him, you know, and a want to. It was more about a, about a package, you know. I thought week one it was too much for him, you know, and to kind of settle him down and kind of take some things back and calm him down a little bit and, and give it back to him slowly. It's worked for us, you know, and he's he's playing cleaner, he's playing better, and it's uh, it's good for everyone involved. But um, it wasn't a punishment, it was more of let's, let's settle him down and give him lesson and, 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 and allow him to grow at his own pace. You know That was what it was about. Listen, in Vance we trust. He's done a good job, but man, unleash the beast. Unleash that kid. He makes, he, he might go, he, like I said, he's like a home run hitter. That bat's 220, strikes out a lot, but man, he hits the ball. He'll hit 40, 50 home runs. He's Dave Kingman. He can make big plays all over the field. Injury report from today's practice. The following did not practice for the Cardinals. Max Garcia didn't. Linebacker Dennis Gardeck didn't. Center Rodney Hudson did not practice uh, left tackle DJ Humphreys did not practice for the second straight day Jay, yeah that's I that, I kind of paused because I'm like okay this one that, that, we got to talk about that a little bit Jalen Thompson the Cardinals safety did return to practice today on a limited basis after he didn't practice yesterday James Conner practiced on a limited basis for the second straight day Cody Ford was out there in a limited basis Matt Prater was out there in a limited basis but I Obviously, the ones that kind of pop of the guys who didn't practice are Dennis Gardeck and then on your offensive line, Rodney Hudson and D.J. Humphreys, two very important parts. And let me give you the Vikings injury report. Okay, we can go on now. Yeah, they're none. They're on none. They're fine. They're always healthy. Yeah, they're, they're, They've lost one seriously. game to injury. One game all season, a starter has lost to injury for the a team that's 5-1. and And honestly, th- there's one guy on their list, Jalen Naylor, mm-hmm. their wide receiver, yeah. and yet he practiced in full yesterday, he practiced in full today. I'm not sure why he's on the list. Maybe they just wanted to give the person who types the list something to do. <laughs> you know, hey, let's just throw a name on there and make you look kind of busy because there's really nobody on on their list at all, no Suns in action today. But of course, there are other teams in the NBA. So let's talk about the worst one: LeBron James and the Lakers. Oh, oh, and four for the first time since his rookie year. That's the last time he started the season. Oh, and four. They lost the this Nuggets last night despite not having Russell. But Westbrook. you can't blame Russell Westbrook. He wasn't even there. He How was. are you going to blame Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook when he doesn't even play. Not his fault at all. So far, I took this screenshot off. Of sports center this morning. They're shooting 22%, 22.3 to be exact from the 3-point line this year. Yeah. That is the worst in any 4-game span in a note here season too. in NBA history. Any team, anywhere, any four games of the season, nobody's been worse than the Lakers have from the three-point yes. line. I I, That's I, nuts. I I saw that stat last night from ES, ESPN stats and info, and then I click that. I'm like, wow, zero and four, first time since 15 16 That year they went 17 and 65. How much would we enjoy a Laker team going 17 and 65 again? I can't even describe it. There's no words. I have no words. I would. How does LeBron James play on a team like this? I don't know. I don't know. Wow, Do he's rethinking that extension, and and he's untradable. They can't trade him no, this year. They can't. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard in the uh, Trailblazers' first loss of the season last night to the Miami Heat. He also injured his calf, and it was announced today. He's going to miss a week or two with that calf strain last night. And also, don't look now. The Brooklyn Nets are one and four. I look every day. I look every day because I, I tell me we're not all sitting here fascinated by is the Kevin Durant trade talk going to come up again? They're one and three on the season. I said one and four. They're one and three three on the season. They've lost to the Bucks, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. So they've lost to good teams. Their only win is against the Raptors. You know, Kyrie Irving is begging people to get off of Ben Simmons' face. Steve Nash now has a meme because he's been tossed for the first time in his coaching career. He got tossed from the game last night. He looked terrible. Um, So it's just, it's, it's. There's a lot of potential here that this could all implode in Brooklyn. Yeah. Positive. Again, and and the team that is 1-4 in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. How. It's a good thing the yeah. Eagles and the Phillies are yeah. doing so well because the pressure are off, the off the to a terrible start. As we wait for the World Series to get started tomorrow, we've got some baseball news to tell you about. And that's the Diamondbacks infielder Christian Walker, who's also a gold glove finalist, I should add. And Ketel Marte made the list of 2022 Silver Slugger Award finalists at their respective positions, first and second base. Of course, that award is given to the best offensive player at each position. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Cattell's a finalist for that. (laughs) Down year? Yeah, I'd like to say, and Walker's going to win a gold glove. I think he was the best defensive first baseman. I mean, he had a good year, and he's under, You know, they, they've got control of him for the next two years. And I haven't seen this, but you might want to uh, steady yourself over there, Gambo. There are reports oh, that the no. San Francisco Giants could have their eyes set on Aaron Judge yeah. this summer. A lot of people are wondering that. That's a big one. Where is Aaron Judge going to end up? Players like this don't usually become available that often. So, yeah, the Giants in that ballpark. Kim, there. You know, maybe he's getting tired of not winning in New York. And you'll come. He you, you could go to San Francisco. But you're talking about, I mean, a crazy amount of money. Because what did he turn down? He turned down 300 and something million. dollars. Yeah. But they've got a lot of contracts that are coming off after, after this season. Belt will be gone. Longoria will be gone. Carlos Rodon will be gone. So they'll be able to free up some money. The uh, by the way, big thumbs up from our San Francisco Giants fan on the other side of the glass and in, in Mitch. Yeah, I, I got a I got another finger for you here, Mitch, and it's not my thumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Buccaneers and the Ravens the thumb's not a finger anyway. Uh, exactly, the Buccaneers and the Ravens facing off on Thursday night football tonight at five fifteen. Some are saying this is a must win for TB twelve in Tampa Bay. There's a report today from Us Weekly. When was the last time we ever cited Us Weekly on the Burns and Gambo show? The ultimatum in which Giselle has given. Time Common ultimatum. Football or your family. Take your pick. But either way, I want you to not play football anymore. I mean, that's it. I'm going to go through this, divorce unless you walk away from this game. Maybe it's right now, end of the season. I don't know. Either way, the Bucs have to figure out how to score some points because they went from averaging 31.4 points a game through the first seven uh, weeks of the season last year to only 16.7 this season. They've reached the red zone only 19 times in 77 drives. They're not even getting in the red zone. Forget about Scoring points, they can't even get inside the twenty. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase is likely out four to six weeks with a hip injury. Big Blow to them, big blow. And the Chiefs have traded two picks to the New York Giants for wide receiver Kadarius Tony, a former first-round first pick. pick. Yep, they gave up a third and a sixth for him. You know as well as anybody, he wasn't being used a whole no. lot in New York. No, but they went out and they got Juju Smith-Schuster, and they went out and they got Marcus Valdez Scantling. But Juju's on a one-year contract. So maybe they look at Tony and they feel like just in case we lose Juju, you could be insurance for us, but I mean, a first round pick. The trade deadline is on Tuesday. So far, we've seen the Giants trade Kadarius Tony to Kansas City. The Bears trade Robert Quinn to Philly. The Panthers, of course, trading Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco. The Panthers also trading Robbie Anderson to Arizona. Jags trading James Robinson to the Jets. And the Raiders trading Jonathan Hankins to the Cowboys. It's been a busy week or so leading up to the deadline and it's coming up on Tuesday. I'll be curious to See who else gets. Yeah, moved. I know the Cardinals do love Bradley Chubb, but if you trade for him, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. So that's the that that would you know that makes me leery of them doing it. But uh, if Bradley Chubb is available, and I think he would be, I'm sure the Cardinals are kicking the tires on that. My big question is would they would they do it knowing what his price tag is going to be? Yeah, um, this no one's going to want to see under the headline NFL trade deadline nine deals we'd. Love. Like to see this was on Sports Illustrated's website. They would like to see JJ Watt to the Chiefs. That's their suggestion. Isn't that where Terrell Suggs went when he left the Cardinals? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, he went to the Chiefs. Of course. JJ's a tad more productive than Terrell Suggs was at the end. Trail Suggs wasn't doing nothing. For nothing. The no. JJ J. No, that at least that one. A that one. Alone. That one backfired. That yeah. did not work yeah, out. Yeah, they're not reporting it's going to happen. Just sort of those. Hey, we'd love to see if this would yeah, happen. If they would have lost to New Orleans, that would make sense. But they won that game, so they're right in the thick of things. So it doesn't make sense. That's our four o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Now, when we come back, the Suns off to a three and one start. They got a big game against the Pelicans tomorrow. What could be the biggest factor that's led to that success for the Suns? We've got a nominee, and we're going to share with you next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, so no Suns games tonight. They're back at it tomorrow it's against a Vince Murata song right here. Oh, totally. 100%. This is a total Vince Murata song. Yeah. The Cure, Friday. The Cure, Friday. I'm in love. Yeah, that's maybe like the second most mm-hmm. Vince Murata band ever. Depeche Mode is. He's very much New Wave, right? Yeah, he's he's Depeche Mode, the Smiths. I know when Um, we go sing with Bickley's band. Excuse me, he sings this song. (laughs) How many times have you sung with Bickley's band? Two or three? I think it's just two. You make Q? it. You make it sound like it's a fairly I'm common surprised occurrence. Got to two times. Yeah, no, it's it's well, the first time, the first time. Yeah, I I remember the first. You remember time, the first time only because nobody was there and you got really upset that nobody came out to hear you sing with Bickley's band. I don't remember that. Oh, either. I remember it very well. Like like I I couldn't be there. Like we had something going on and I I couldn't. And like this was years ago. And you came in and you're like, Bickley's band always draws a good crowd. No, no, no I, I, I'm, I'm saying people from the station. Oh, didn't from the come. station. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're like, yeah, I was up there singing Sister Gold Hair and, mm. and nobody came to hear me. You're oh, like, okay. you're like yelling at all of us the next day on the air. Nobody from the station came. And so, like the yeah. next time you did, like, all right, I'll go see Gambo, and and you did all, your your rhythm was a little, a little off. You're just a little behind the tempo. Yeah, not my tempo. You know, right. it, was, it was just a little, but it was good. Yeah. yeah. Have you been invited back since? No. Not have should, have not been invited back. We should work on that. We should, we should. What's going on, Vic? Come on. I know. Seriously. Band can certainly learn how to play. Sister that band Golden must Heron. be on yeah. the run. Mm-hmm. I heard they need a big bass drummer. Yeah. Well, that's and a sax player, you know. I can nah, play I'm that bass. Going. I'm good at that. The, the, yeah. yeah the I was, even Mitch said I was good at it. Right? Mitch, <laughs> you nailed it. I nailed it. Um, Phoenix Suns. What are we we talking about? Oh, you uh, you you, 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 you. threw me for a loop there. I didn't know what we were talking Uh, about. Phoenix Suns are back at it uh, tomorrow against the Pelicans. Willie Green said today Zion Williamson and Herb Jones went through part of today's practice. They will be questionable for the game tomorrow. Yeah, and Ingram is not traveling on this road trip at all. He is going to be out for the three games on the road trip. Okay, so we won't see Brandon Ingram. Maybe we see Zion. Maybe we see Herb Herb Jones. We'll see tomorrow as the Suns are off to this 3 1 start nationally televised game. It's another matchup that we saw last year during the playoffs. Kellen was in here earlier and he said, Man, just wait till you hear some of the stuff they said at practice when, you know, that they, basically the Pelicans are the closest thing to a clone that the Suns have in the NBA and the Suns recognize that. It's like it's like playing us, you know, every single night. So it's going to be a fun game. We're looking forward to it. One of the things early in the season that we've noticed a lot and our friends over at Bright Side of the Sun took it to a Another level with how much they noticed it was how much the Suns are attacking the rim more, going directly, you know, with the drives, going right at the rim. We noticed this especially with Booker to the point where we asked James Jones about it yesterday. Is, is that been a point of emphasis for Devin Booker? Here's what he said: you No, know, I think he's done a better job of not forcing and just taking what the defense is given him. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. You know, you, you think that you can just flip a switch and say, "Hey, attack the basket, attack the basket." Well, you know, once teams Understand what you're trying to do, um, they can take that away from you. So I think he's done a great job of being balanced. Uh, you know, taking his spots and 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 being deceptive and, with his intent. You know, teams may think that he's looking for his jumper and he's looking to drive, and so keeping them off balance has allowed him to just show his full offensive potential. And look, it's early in the season. There's it's no a good doubt. sign, though. This is a good early sign. These numbers are a good early start. Yeah, side. and I was going to say, that the, the numbers tell a slightly different story. The numbers tell a story that the Suns are emphasizing driving the rim a little bit more, right? And that the Suns are making that a point of their attack. The numbers that right side put together. Last year, Phoenix drove the ball to the hoop about 42 times a game. This time, so far this season, 45 times per Throwing game. Throw in the playoffs last year because I think that matters too, right? Last year during the playoffs, they drove about 38, 39 times on average so, during the playoffs. So 42 in a regular season, 38, 39 in a playoffs, and what is it this year? 45. Okay. 45 per game. Okay. Shooting the ball inside five feet. Last year during the regular season, they did it about 24 times per game. Last year during the playoffs, they did it about 23 times per game. This year so far, they're doing it about 27 times per game. Again, not a huge dramatic increase, but a noticeable uh, we've we'll yeah. noticed with Devin Booker I mean it's obvious right I mean with Devin Booker he, he shot what 14 free throws yes the other night against the Golden State Warriors and then the free throw attempts which comes with driving more to the basket last, you gotta get fouled last year they attempted about 20 per game during the regular season about 19 per game during the playoffs so far this year about 22 per game again Small, incremental upticks, but you would think the kind of stuff that, if done consistently over the course of the season, would be more successful for playoff basketball, right? Because you're getting to the line. You're stressing the opponent's defense. You're putting pressure on them. Gavon Looney... He picked up two fouls in a New York minute the other night for Golden State. DeAndre put him in foul trouble. That attacking the rim yeah. puts constant pressure on a defense to kind of answer that. And oftentimes that looks like foul trouble. So plus three compared to last season in driving the ball. Plus 3.1 in shots inside five feet. And plus 2.4 in free throw attempts. Like Those are all signs of a... That's good. Those are good signs. I mean, they're, they're attacking the rim more. They're trying to score inside. You're going to get foul. More, you're gonna to go to the free throw line more, you're gonna get guys in foul trouble. It's a more physical game in there. Like it's a more you know, can no JaVel McGee, no Jay Crowder. You're gonna take some punishment. Like we saw Cam, you know, when they, when Draymond pushed Landale into him. That stuff can happen when you're gonna to go to the basket. That stuff doesn't happen when you take three-point shots. Okay? You gotta worry about somebody coming down on your foot, but you it's a more physical game when you're gonna go yeah, inside more. But that's the thing, too, about the Suns, and we said this countless times last year. It's not like there's some bombs away three-point shooting team in the NBA. They, last year, no, they, they were more of a mid-range they team. They spent most of the season Lived. as one of the you know, fewest attempts per game from the three-point line, right? That just wasn't their... It's not like they were just standing around jacking up a bunch of threes like they were the Utah Jazz, right? They were very... And, that, and that's kind of been the story so far this year, with the exception of the Golden State game. They were jacking them up from the three-line. So it does seem like the Suns are in a really subtle kind of way trying to evolve their offense maybe away from the reliance on the mid-range because let's be honest that that mid-range game hey it's great but if you can get a shot 10 feet away or you can get a shot 2 feet away which shot do you like better you like the one that's 2 feet away right? 2 feet away also gives you the chance for 3 point plays sure you know the mid-range game doesn't give you the 3 point play and that's one of the things people didn't like about the Suns last year is that you know if they're not going to shoot as many 3s and they're going to play at the mid-range it's a 2 point game you drive you shoot to three or you drive to the basket, driving to the basket gives you that chance to get the end one because there's a good chance you can get fouled on these plays. So, I mean, I like what I've seen out of it so far. They're definitely attacking, getting teams more in foul trouble. It seems like there's a little bit of a commitment, but mainly, but like what you said earlier, I think mainly that's coming from Book. It does seem like it. And I know, again, James kind of de-emphasized that a little bit and saying that's just how it's it's early. Uh, Again, It's to look at anything that's happened over the course of four games and say this is how it's going to be or this is how it's – no, it's it's early in the season. We'll see if this trend continues. But honestly, I like that development. I like that development a lot for the Suns because as much as they were freaky good at the mid-range game last year, that always felt – not sustainable, you know, like that's just a, that's a, a, an unusual way to try to eat in the NBA. And I, I'd rather the more kind of traditional driving kick, three point game, the, the and one game, cause you, You've got the athletes to do it. You've got the guys who can get to the rim to do it, not just settling for fifteen foot jumpers, ten foot jumpers. I, I, if this is the way it's going, I like where it's going. Yeah, and with Landell, when he plays, he's been playing a decent amount of minutes. You know, his ability to stretch the floor and stuff that does open up that drive a little bit more too. With Javell McGee, you clog the lane. With Bismack Biembo, you clog the lane, so you can get a big that can pop out and shoot some shots. That opens it up a little bit more. What is real in this year's NFL? What is fake? In this year's NFL. And where do we put the Minnesota Vikings? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. John Gambitro, Dave Burns, Mitch Vereldis, Eric Ruby. We got the whole crew with you on this Thursday afternoon here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It's 4.30. Let's see what's going on with the Twitter poll question of the day with Mr. Ruby and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, what you got for us today on this Thursday, Rubes? Well, I'm going to try not to talk myself out of a future in uh, political campaign management with this oh. one. Uh, <laughs> since Gambo, with my recent polls from two hours ago, uh, revoked his offer. Uh, but this one is new. It's fresh out the kitchen, so it's pretty simple. Who has more receiving yards on Sunday? The two big names, Justin Jefferson or DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> right. Ooh. Um Okay. D Hop, and I'll explain why. Not just because I'm being a homer. I was going Jefferson. so oh, yeah, we are okay. different. Yeah, yeah. D Hop because of Vance Joseph, and D Hop because of that stat that's stuck in my brain about how the Vikings defense has not done well against number one receivers this year. So I'll say D Hop. Gambo going with Jefferson? 5-1, home game for the Vikings, coming off the bye, I'm going to go Jefferson. It's funny, the first comment is actually Gambo will say Jefferson 100% of the time. (laughs) So, they guessed it right, but Jefferson is actually not leading this poll, not by a long shot. 63.9% going with DeAndre Hopkins, meaning only 36.1% going with Jefferson. I mean, here's the thing... uh, D. Hop, okay, he's great, but he's played one game. Justin Jefferson is killing it this year. He's killing it this year. I mean, like this might be the biggest challenge for Byron Murphy in this Cardinals defense to stop. That they've, you know, other than maybe Devontae Adams, right? Of all the wide receivers, they've the had wide to. Receivers, of the wide receivers, they've had to eliminate from the game plan more than DK Metcalf, more than AJ Brown, more than Cooper Cup. Cooper, Cooper Cup—they're Cup. all good challenges. They are all good challenges. Like I don't know how you separate them. Like I, know, I don't know I, how you say that this is better than Cooper Cup, Devontae. Like like they're all real. Like there's an A-level challenge th- th- that's in that category. What's your A-top level you know challenge? I guess it's, it's just sort of a, a matter of taste and preference. I think Justin Jefferson is one of the two best wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, I, I just think he's—I think he's elite. I think he is great. And, and and this is a league filled with elite wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, he's great. He's great. Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. and I, I just think Justin Jefferson is next level, fantastic. Yeah. But. I think that number one receivers have big days against the Vikings, and the opposite tends not to be true. Although Olave had a good game. Chris Olave had a good game for New Orleans. He did, but again, those were, you know, some of those stats were, I mean, they were early in part, you know, in the the, the big pass play he had from Taysom Hill. But yeah, Olave had a 100-yard game and that sort of is the outlier. That's a good question. I like that one. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word is where you can find it. All you have to do is take a look at the NFL standings and you ask yourself the question what is real what is not perfect example is tonight's Thursday night football game the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in first place in the NFC South with a 3-4 and record yeah are they everybody expected them to be a Super Bowl contender is this real is this who they are is their offense and the struggles? I mean, you are what your record says you are. In that's some ways, are Bill you? Parcells' cliche. Right? You are what your record says you are. The question is, you know, going forward, like, is this? Is this? This is who they are now. Is this what they're going to be at the end of the season? I don't know. I tend to think that the Bucks are a mess, and that this is probably what they are—is right around a five hundred team. Even though the schedule is very easy for them, they're having major problems with these young offensive linemen. They can't figure out how to play with Tom Brady. They're having major problems with their number two receiver outside of Evans. Like Godwin's not doing anything. You know, so I think that there's some serious problems with the Bucks that I don't think get fixed this season. The reason we're bringing this up is a lot of people are trying to figure out whether the Vikings are real or not. Right, okay. it's five and one start. To the point where they even wrote about it in the Minnesota papers over the course of the week, are the Vikings for real? Better question, how do you define for real anymore in the NFL? I saw a preview for today's game. They literally called the Vikings frauds. Said at 5-1, the Vikings are frauds. They're frauds. They're not that good. And the Cardinals will, the prediction indicated the Cardinals will beat them. Because the Vikings the are Cardinals, fraud. It's the same team that last year that same place probably said well, Cardinals were fraud. So probably, probably, I mean, probably. Okay. I'm just a bit, but that's kind of the belief is that between the Giants and the Jets and the Seahawks and the Vikings and the Bucks and the Packers, there's a lot of teams that you could look at and say, is that real? Is this is this really happening, or are you? And it is. Is it fair to call them a fraud? Because that's like the Jets' record is what it is. The Giant's record that, that's who they are. Those teams that are five and one, or you know, that's that's who they are. That's the football team that they are right now. Doesn't mean they're going to be that right now. But frauds, like are they frauds? Well, are the Viking five and one of the Vikings a fraud team? They you brought up the Cardinals. Would it have been accurate to call them a fraud when they started seven and zero because they ended up fraudulent? When it was all said and done, yep. They were frauds. They weren't that good. All right. Let's, let's go through the, let's go through this on who the, and who they think is frauds and not frauds. Is Tom Brady right now for real? He just scored three points to lose by 18 to a team that had given up on a season, traded its best player that was led by an interim coach and a backup quarterback. Brady and the Bucks are three and four. I read today that if he loses tonight, he has never in his career been under 500 that late into a season. Ever. I think they'll lose tonight. So I think that they're not legit. I don't think the Bucks are a legit threat to win a Super Bowl. Okay, so this is real. I think that's so, real. So this is real. This is. I not... think that one's real. Okay, this is this is they are real. Are the six and one Giants for real? No, I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> That's that shit, They're playing out of their minds right now, but they've done it with defense and running. It's a staple of what made the Giants great, you know, in the past. The ability to run the football, play great defense. They've been able to get that. So, but do I think that they're a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't think that they're in the top tier teams in the NFL. They are the. Th- this is a great stat here. They're the third team in the history of the league to have six wins out of their first seven games, in which they won by eight points or fewer. The only other two teams that did that, the 88 Saints didn't make the playoffs, the 2,000 Vikings, who got smoked in the NFC Championship game, 41 nothing. So there's like this history of when you win that many games by that close a margin, you know, there's a question of whether you're for real or not. Is Geno Smith in the Seattle Seahawks for real? Oh my God! This is the hardest one because I think I'm tending. I'm starting to believe that that maybe he is. I think they are that. Like this is that. Geno is figured out how to play in this league after four years on four different teams. He's kindly figured out. He's 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 finally figured out how to play. I mean, I'll buy them as a legitimate threat to win the NFC West. Is that is that fair? That's fair. I'm honestly legit. More concerned about next week's game against Seattle than I am about this week against the Vikings. I really am. I, I, I actually think that game's a bigger threat to the Cardinals. I, it's a division think, game, right? And They would be 0-3 in the division if, if they, they lose it, that one. Well, and not the ramifications if they lose, just the quality, of the competition that they're playing. At Seattle's defense is starting to play well. Kenneth Walker III is legit, and Good Geno runner. Smith yep. just keeps getting it done. Um, are the defending Super Bowl champion Rams for real? They're 3-3. and They've lost three games by double-digit blowout losses. They've got a quarterback who's got more interceptions than touchdown passes and his worst passer rating in 11 years. Is this real for them? I think they're better than that. So I don't think that's who they really are. I think they're a better football team than that. I think they've underachieved so far. I think they'll get some of it figured out, but not all of it because they lost key players. You know, you lost a great left tackle. You lost a great pass rusher. You lost a really good wide receiver. So I think that they'll figure some of that stuff out. And remember, they're always big spenders and trades and everything. So I think they're better than what that record indicates. I read some trade speculation a couple of days ago that suggested they were the team that was in on Brian Burns. And they still might want Brian Burns. Wow. When it's all wow. said and done. Okay, yet, I, would, I would expect them to make a move. Are the Cowboys for real? They're 5-2, and, and they're the sixth seed yes. in the NFC, and yes. I think they're very real. I think real. they're for real. Their defense, defense is legit, and yep. I think their offense will get better. Dak's barely played this year. I'm not a big Dak Prescott no, fan, but either. I think he'll be better. I think he'll be better. Yes. The 6-0 and o Eagles, are they for real? Yes. Yeah, they're for yes. real. Yes. They're for real. Yeah, they're for real. They got good weapons on offense. They play good defense. I mean, it's a lot of signs point to them being the, the, the best team in the NFC right this now. This little nugget from the story blew me away. Only two of the NFC's seven playoff teams from a year ago even have winning records wow. so far this year. The four NFC divisional playoff Buckle teams from grown. a year ago, the Rams, the Bucks, the Niners, and the Packers. Losing record. 12-15. and 15. None of them are over 500. Who would have thunk that, right? It's, who would have thought that? And that's what's got you thinking. Well, and look, Who's the quarterbacks on those teams? Go over the quarterbacks. Matthew, Matthew Stafford, Stafford Tom, Tom Brady, Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The 12 and Had 15. Have a losing record. None of them are individually over 500 this year. Right. So, I mean, look. The- Three of those guys have won Super Bowl. Another one's been to the Super Bowl. I am saying, is Cardinals win this game this week? And it's very possible they do. This is not an unwinnable game for them. They're 4-4, four and four, and they are right there in the conversation. This is They're the year- right there in this, the conversation. This is like the MLB playoffs, where the Phillies are the sixth seed, and they, they're in the World Series. This year in the NFC, unlike the AFC, the AFC is Buffalo or Kansas City. I mean, I can't imagine anybody besides Buffalo or Kansas City. But in the NFC, it really is— I I mean, you can pick whoever gets in might have that's why you gotta do everything you can to get in, because you might have a chance to run the tables as a wild card team. When we come back, Jay Crowder, still here, still on the Suns. What are some ways that the team can give him what he wants via a trade? A couple of options we'll present to you coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gamadero, Dave Burns on this Thursday, live from the Oxygen Community Studios here in Arizona Sports. Of course, yesterday we had a chance to talk to um, James Jones. We asked him about Jay Crowder again. He didn't have a whole lot of new information to add. He certainly didn't want to comment on Jay's statement that he provided to Chris Haynes from TNT during Tuesday's game against the Golden State Warriors in which Jay, you know, to kind of sum it all up, basically pushed back on the narrative that the only reason he's not with the Suns is because they told him he wasn't going to be a starter. And he, he he in the statement he relayed to Chris Haynes, he's like that's that's not why that narrative is false. That narrative is wrong. That's not why I'm not with the Phoenix Suns. It's not because I wasn't I was told I'm not going to be a starter. We presented that to James yesterday. James didn't really have much. He's like, I've said everything I need to say about Jay. We're just going to wait for the best deal to come along. And when it happens, it happens. That might be, Gambo, honestly, one of the biggest surprises so far of the season for the Suns in that they really haven't missed Jay so far. The bench has been much better than we thought. A top six guy. You know, a top six guy. Yeah. Like, you know, in your rotation, if you know, a starter, he was a top six guy. As a bench guy, he would have been your sixth guy. They would have at least given him that courtesy and he's not on the roster. They didn't replace him and they've got the wins over Dallas, the Clippers and Golden State. It's, it's a credit to James Jones. It's a credit to Booker's development. I mean, Cam Johnson isn't playing well. Chris had those struggles before the Golden State game and they're still winning. Yep. I mean, I, I don't want to put it all on Book. I I really, I I, I know it's easy to put it all on book but man we got to give james jones jones credit for the just knowing how to build a team Mm -hmm. not let, let me get the lakers let me get the best player i'm gonna get the best players and and it doesn't it didn't work right where james is more like this piece will fit here this piece will fit i mean he's a magician putting together a puzzle He's putting together a puzzle. He's very good at it. He's very good at it. He finds the pieces that work for the way they play, for the way Monty coaches. I think as much credit needs to go to James Jones as, as possible. One of these days we'll learn to trust him when it comes to stuff like that. Because all off season, it was like, okay, what are you doing? Jock Landale, that's not enough. What Damian GM, Lee, that's not enough. What GM would go into the season with no resolution on Jay Crowder? Very few. Very few. But you would have panicked. You would have made a trade. i got to get something. Yeah. I can't start the season with nothing. I'd rather have something than nothing. Now again, it's early. And so we'll see how the season goes. But, but this start that they're off to, and specifically the start that the bench is off to, has really drained the urgency out of the situation when it comes to Jay. I mean, like we started the season and it was, okay, trade him. Trade him. Come on. Let's go. Get this done. You gotta get him out of here. Gotta get a piece in here. This bench needs help. Here we are a week and four games later and you can just feel the Jay Crowder urgency. It's almost evaporated. It's like, not, okay, just, okay, Jay's not here and when a deal happens, a deal happens. In the meantime, hey, how about that Jock Landale? Hey, how about that campaign and how he's playing Damian so Lee. Far? I mean, you like Damian Lee. I, you know, and I the guy got, I mean, guys getting minutes. He's, he's getting 15 minutes a game. I wasn't a fan of his, but he's, he's got a role for this team. He seems to be a very steady presence. Right. So that circles us back to Jay Crowder. And there was a story today that you sent me with some familiar names and some familiar continue teams. continue to plug away at these these Eastern Conference teams and which guy, you know, which which team makes the most sense. And there's Atlanta with an essay and saying, you know, Jay and Dario for Bogdan Bogdanovich. There's Milwaukee for Grayson Allen. There's the Heat for Max Struess. Uh, the Paul guy, Max Struess. I would make Tim Ring really happy, and Duncan Robinson. So you can t- continue to see the same group of teams that are in on it, Atlanta and, and Milwaukee and Miami, uh, but no resolution on a trade right now, and the thought for us is, boy, I, if, you, if there was a good trade, you'd make it, but is he possibly, is James possibly waiting until the middle of December when a lot of you know players that are ineligible to be traded right now would become eligible to be traded? I can't get that thought out of my head. That, that that seems to me at this point, because as we've talked about on a couple of occasions, it's not like that's that far away. You know, today is October 27th. It'll be those guys that can be traded in the middle of December. That's six weeks away. All right, the season will be roughly a third of the way done by then. Certainly not enough of it will have gone by that anything's going to be determined or decided on December 15th. You still have plenty of time to be relevant and be good and things like that. I just I keep looking at these. It's the same teams and it's the same play. It's the hub. And it's the Bucks, and it's the Heat and it's Bogdan Bogdanovich and it's Grayson Allen and it's Duncan Robinson. Man, I, I feel like those are the three teams and those are three of the names that have been out there for a long time. And it, it, it almost as if it were going to happen. It should have happened by now. Like if the Suns were going to trade Jay Crowder, to the Milwaukee Bucks for Grayson Allen, it feels like that would have happened by now. Right. Like that would have been. There's no reason to wait on that. The Suns were gonna trade Jay Crowder and Dario Saric to the Atlanta Hawks for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Feels like that would happen by now. We've we've heard that rumor for a month and a half, right? We've read that rumor for a month and a half. Yeah. If that's what it's gonna be, what's taking that so long? That that <sighs> that part doesn't really compute with me, you know? Dario's nine million, Jay's ten, that's nineteen. I'm just trying to see if there's like I'm just in the back of my mind if this KD thing falls apart. You know, I mean, you, is there anything you can do with 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 KD come January? Okay, we'll take the five, we'll take the four first round draft picks. We're not going anywhere. We gave it a run. We suck. Well, I'll take all those draft picks. You give me those expiring contracts. Could they make him wait till January? Because you trade Jay for a guy that's got multiple years on his deal. You know, now all of a sudden, you're taking out one of those expiring contracts that would use that you would use in a trade for KD. Yeah, because t- you're not trading Mikhail, you're not trading Cam, you're not you know you're not trading Book. Aiden he has the right to say no to any trade. Like I hear what you're saying. There's just a part of me that's thinking it would be next to impossible to get Kevin Durant and only give up. All your first round picks and just a bunch of expiring contracts that you don't care about. You know, like that's, that's the Nets season implodes. Well, it, 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 but, but then somebody else may give you a better deal. Yeah, but the yeah. Nets, yeah, the Nets all along have said, if we're trading Kevin Durant, it's got to be for somebody who kind of keeps the run going here and not do a total rebuild. Cause remember, Houston gets all their but picks. But everybody thought that they could win if they just saw we get oh, I know, I know. KD I, and Irving and Kyrie that. and Ben. And, but if, if they can't win with that group, you might be like, what am I doing here? You might. You might be doing and, here. Let me and, just get the best of it. Maybe can now. that's what the Suns are waiting for. I, I really believe I'll put on the, I'll put on the conspiracy grassy knoll for this one. Mm. I think Dario's playing time is in part being held back because he just might be a part of this somehow. I, and I just you I, don't want him to get injured. I, and I just can't get that out of my mind. I mean, he's, he's when healthy and when right. He's just too versatile and valuable a piece to just have rotten on your bench like that you know I, w- I would think that they'd be at least trying to build his minutes up so that he could be a part of this rotation he's just and I understand the bench has played really well looks right now like they don't need him but I would think if they had any intention of starting to indoctrinate him back into the offense that they'd be doing it by the now the only thing is that teams that would be trading for these guys don't really want them so what does it matter whether Dario's playing or not playing you don't want you don't want Dario you want, you contract. want the contract that's going to expire Yeah, good point. <laughs> his contract's going to expire either way even if he got injured, you might think like, I'll take him because I just want the expiring contract. I'm not like, oh Dario's going I'm not these teams aren't gonna plan to re sign Dario. Look as long as, the, the bottom line to me is as long as the Suns keep playing like this <laughs> and the bench keeps performing like this, I, I never thought I'd hear myself say this. I don't care if they trade Jay. It's fine. Don't trade him. I mean, really? There's no rush. There really, truly you know, is zero urgency to trade him if this is how you're going to play and perform. Without you know what the time and the patience does, it also allows you more time to figure out what you really need, which is maybe you different now that during opening night yeah. than what it is on on uh, during the preseason. During the preseason, you might have been like, "I want a guard." Now you might be, "I need a forward," or you may have an injury and something may okay. Now I have an injury. Now I'm going to trade Jay to get somebody that could replace that guy. You can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty. 620 right now here on the Burns and Gambo show. Now, when we come back, there is a member of the Arizona Cardinals who's very deserving of a second chance. Who is that? That's next. Burns and Gambo.